morning. It is good to see all you guys here today. Man, I'm just going to let you know. Man, normally I'm a back row guy. And man, I appreciate the days I get to preach because when I sit over there, man, you guys sounded so good today. So good, man. You lifted your Lord, your voices up in praise to the Lord. And man, I'm telling you, for a guy that's kind of nervous about getting to be up here, man, it's super encouraging to me to hear you guys singing the way you did. So man, our praise team did a great job. I kind of laughed during the week. Uh, Ryan kind of sent me a text and was like, hey, do you have any specific songs? I'm like, man, I trust you. You do such a good job. And I'm going to tell you, man, they did such a great job today. So, and you guys did a great job. You guys did a great job singing. So, yeah, yeah, give them some applause. They did a great job. It was, it was a good day of worshiping the Lord through the song. Um, man, if you hear me, <clears throat> excuse me, I may cough a lot today because, man, I'm telling you, I was mowing last week, and I don't know what I, what I mowed, but, man, I got into a bunch of pollen, and I've been coughing and, <laughs> and sneezing ever since. And as a matter of fact, if I sound congested to you today, you should have been here Wednesday night. If you'd have been here Wednesday night, you'd be like, man, he sounds a ton better than he sounded the other day because I was sounding rough. And I started thinking about it. I thought, man, last time I got an opportunity to preach, man, it was a week after we'd returned from, from, from visiting our friends in Central Asia, and I had drinking an apple juice at the market, and man, I got sick. <laughs> I got super sick, and I had a week of just feeling really bad. And uh, man, this week I've had a week of just feeling really bad. So what I started to figure out is, like next time Pastor Chris is going to be gone and I'm going to get an opportunity to preach, I'm going to call Dr. Winkleman up and start working about a week ahead of time to try to get me ready to be able to handle it because the enemy kind of wants to attack me, I guess, that way when I get an opportunity to come up here. But, man, I'm thankful for your prayers. I know some people prayed for me this week that I would feel better because I'm telling you, Wednesday I sounded terrible. This is a big improvement, and I appreciate those prayers that you prayed, man. That was a big help to me, and I feel 100% better. I may not sound it but I feel 100% better, and I may start coughing, and I've got a water down there if that happens after a while. But, man, the good Lord is going to take care of us today and get me through this. So if you have your copy of God's Word, we are going to be back in 1 Peter again. That's where we're going to be at for quite a while. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. And while you're turning there, we'll kind of recap what we covered last week when Pastor Chris preached. Um, man, last week, Pastor Chris gave us a call to action, and he told us about five traits that should mark our lives as people of God. He told us we're called to be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit, if you remember those things. And what he reminded us is that even as the body of Christ, <clears throat> these are not attributes that are, that, that are probably natural to us, but that when we embrace these attributes, man, it builds brotherly love. It builds brotherly love within the body. And we're reminded by God's word that that's what family in, in church is supposed to look like. It is supposed to be love, that we are supposed to love each other well. Um, man, he reminded us that we're called to grow in our Christ-likeness, to be more conformed, conformed to Jesus each day. And in our conforming to Christ, we shouldn't be surprised by suffering that may arise in our lives. The suffering is something that's going to come along within this walk. Sometimes the world tries to convince us that we become believers and everything is going to be great. We read his word and we see that there is suffering that comes from our testimony and our righteousness to God. Um, and Pastor Chris reminded us that if we want the inheritance of eternal life, if we want this eternal life with the Father, we're going to have to walk the narrow path. That is a narrow path that we walk when we do this. And, and he reminded us that we can't dismiss sanctification, which I'm telling you, after he said that last week, I'm like, man, you put it on the T for me this week. I appreciate it. 
Man, great point. Because he says we can't dismiss sanctification, that our growing in Christ's likeness is not optional. Um, he reminded us at the end of the three things that he's been reminding us ever since we read First um, Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. He reminded us that, beloved, this world is not our home. He reminds us we have a family, the local church. And the local church is a taste of home, of home that is going to come. And when we're aliens and exiles, we long for home. We know this is not our home. And it's this, the church becomes our embassy. As we heard Ryan talk about, man, it's a sanctuary. It's a sanctuary in the midst of war is what he reminded us of. And then he reminded us, beloved, there's a war within. And we're called to put up, we're, we're called to put to death the fleshliness of this world. And we can do that. We can do that as believers because we've already died to it in Christ. And he reminded us that we're talking about our growth. That when we talk about this growth in our walk, it's not going to be perfect. That it is something that sanctification we do. We just keep growing more and more like Christ. We become holier as, as things go along. And, and I love the point that he told us we're not going to be perfect. We're not going to be perfect in it, but we want to keep growing more and more like him. And then he reminded us, beloved, there's a world to win. And he said, let's win them unto Christ. And he said, we can't fight like the world fights. If we fight like the world fights, we don't win them to Christ. We just look like everything else that's around them. And he said, there's a different way to win the fight. And he said, the way we win the fight is the way Christ won the fight, with meekness and gentleness. So, Pastor Chris is gone today, and he's enjoying some time with his family. And I hope we really appreciate that. I hope we appreciate that because I'm going to tell you this is one thing that I know. Man, he has um, preached through a tough season of sermons. Man, he has preached on stuff that I'm going to be honest with you, I don't know if they're ever really super popular anyway. Man, they are really hard to preach during the season that we have gone through. And man, I hope we appreciate that. I hope that we appreciate him that when he comes back, we tell him thank you for what he does, how he leads us. Man, how he is true to the word of God. And I want us to be thankful for a preacher that teaches difficult things to us. Man, in this sermon series, man, he's preached to us about holiness. Holiness and the action that comes from this call. Man, he's preached on the hard topics like obeying authority, honoring masters, submission of wives to husbands, the command for husbands to live with your wife in an understanding way and showing her honor as a co-heir with Christ. And he's explained to us each week that we don't do these things because they're the right or easy thing to do. Man, we do these things because they bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ. That is why we do them. So that'll catch us up from where we were last week. If you have your copy of God's word, like I said, we'll be in chapter three and we're gonna start in verse 13. And starting in verse 13, it says, who is there to harm you if, you've proved, if you prove zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. Do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. And keep in good conscience, so in the thing that which they slander, those who revile your good behavior in Christ, they will be put to shame. For it's better if God should will it that you should suffer for doing what is right rather than for what is doing wrong. Now, if you'd bow your heads with me, we will pray.
Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as we open your word today, let our hearts and our lives be transformed and renewed by the promises of what we read. Lord, we pray that we are a body of believers who are zealous for what is good, that we are zealous for your word. God, we pray that we are of good conscience, that we are people who will do good, not to bring glory to ourselves, but to bring all glory and honor to you. Lord, we pray that as we grow in sanctifying you in our hearts, that you will give us opportunities to tell the world about the hope that we have in you. And as we bring the good news of Jesus, we pray we do it with gentleness and reverence. Lord, we pray that, you, that we recognize your sovereignty in our lives. Father, we thank you for the days that are so good to us. Lord, and we pray that you will give us your strength and hope on the days we feel the persecution that's in this world. Lord, that, that you will be with us as exiles and aliens. And Lord, we just give all praise in your son's holy name. Um, so what we remember is this, is in the book of 1 Peter, man, this is a book that has been written to fill us with courage. It's a call to action. It's a call to be active in a place that is not our home. And it's a constant reminder that behind everything is Jesus, who is calling us to push back the darkness of this world and take his message to a lost and dying world. So when Pastor Chris told me that I was going to get an opportunity to preach this week, and I would be lying to you if I told you I was not nervous, man. I get nervous when I get the opportunity to get up here. But as we started talking about it, and this time was going by, and we started to see where it was going to land, man, I got super excited. because, And I think Pastor Chris was super excited for me because he knows as long as we've been talking through First Peter in our meetings, man, I have been waiting for when we get to this point. I have been waiting for us to get to this point where, where we start talking about always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Man, I love this section of 1 Peter. Because I'm going to tell you, man, I love the idea of us being bold witnesses for Jesus Christ. Man, I love the idea of us being bold and telling people about this Lord and Savior that we have. I want us to be able to tell the world about the hope that is in us. And I get super excited when we get that opportunity because it is so good. But... Man, as I started studying these passages, I started to realize, man, as much as I like that, that all these verses we are going to read are really going to hinge on something that we're going to read in chapter 15. Everything we read before it and everything that we read after it is going to hinge on this one thing that we read in chapter 15 where we are told, sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. I don't know, you may be reading in the New, I, the new International Version, and the New International Version just tells us, Set apart Christ as Lord in your heart. Or if you have the ESV, it tells you, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. And I'm telling you, that is the main point. Man, if you walk out of here today and you don't uh, uh, remember sanctify the Lord, uh, Christ as Lord in your hearts, man, I have dropped the ball today because this is the hinge point of everything. This is where we're probably going to spend the most time that we spend within this sermon. And what I loved was, as we talked in the introduction, last week, Pastor Chris, one of his main points is that as believers, sometimes we dismiss sanctification. We don't think about it. He discussed how we love being justified, how we love being saved. He talks about how excited we are getting to glorification the day that we are going to be with our, our Lord and Savior in heaven. We're excited about that. But what he told us is we can't miss out on sanctification. We cannot miss out on this walk with the Lord. As we said earlier, he said, 
If you want the inheritance, you must walk the path of obedience. And sanctification is evidence of a life that has been transformed by God's grace. So again, this week, the main imperative of these verses is sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart. Set him apart. When we talk about sanctification, the New International Version does a great job of the way they describe it. Set him apart. Man, set him apart in your heart. See him as most holy. See him as sacred. And if we do that, from the word, we see four promises that will come to us. Number one, he tells us our hope will be fearless. We can be fearless in our hope. He tells us our hope will be well defended. He says we'll be able to give answers to our hope with gentleness and reverence. And he tells us we will be zealous for good deeds. Those are the fruits that come from when we sanctify Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So if you have your copy of God's word, man, if you would look at verse 13. Peter starts it out with this. Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? And that's a, that's a rhetorical question he asked at the beginning of this sermon. He expects the people to know the answer because he's kind of provided the answer the week before, right? The week before, we remember reading in, uh, starting I think in verse 10, the one who desires life to love and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous. So he asked that question after seeing, after, after we've read that. And, and what I loved last week is Pastor Chris reminded us, I circled in my Bible, the word must. How strong the word must is in those verses. That we must, what does he tell us? Keep our tongues from evil and our lips, lips from speaking deceit. We must turn away from evil and do good. We must seek peace and pursue it. Those are strong words that he uses, must. So now what we see the writer Peter doing is he's starting to ponder the implications of doing good, even when we're persecuted for doing good. And he begins with this question, who is there to harm you? And I'm going to tell you, 15 years from after he wrote that, there's going to be no question who wants to harm you. It's going to be Nero, man. They're going to come in and start heavy persecution on these believers. And at this time, they are still facing persecution. It is soft persecution, but persecution is going to come for doing good. And I think what's interesting in this is this, man, he's asking a question that we often have in our own hearts. And that question is, man, why are bad things happening to godly people? How often do we ask that question in our heart? We look at this and we say, man, we are trying to do good. We are trying to do righteous and we see bad things happening. Man, our expectations are easy, right? We expect bad people, man. We expect criminals to face negative consequences for their actions, don't we? But not godly people. We don't expect that to happen. We don't expect people to suffer for doing good. That is not as humans the way that we are turned. But when we look in verse 14, Peter starts to answer it for his people. He said, but even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. So knowing that these aliens, these exiles, may suffer for doing what is good, Peter's encouraging them. He's encouraging them, and he is telling them to remember, even when they're persecuted, you are still blessed. And that is a hard spot for them to understand. It is a hard spot for us to understand, that even in persecution, we are being blessed. 
Um, and I love his words that he uses in that, because when we read blessed, I think he is pointing directly back to the Sermon on the Mount. When we read in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, we hear Jesus tell the people on the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That is the word of Jesus. He is telling, blessed are those who are persecuted. And then what we see is this. At the end of it, he says, and do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled. And it kind of lines up like as, as Ryan was reading today, you probably thought that is some weird scripture to be reading for, for offering. But I'm telling you, what we see is Peter goes to the word. He does what we're supposed to do. He allows the word to explain the word. So he goes to Isaiah chapter 12, or excuse me, chapter 8. And basically, in verse 12, he reminds them, do not fear what people fear, and do not be distressed. So, if you have your copy of God's Word, or I think it's going to be on the screen, we'll read through uh, Isaiah chapter 8, verses 11 and 14 again. And what it says is this, For thus the Lord spoke to me with mighty power, and instructed me to not, not to walk in the way of, his, of this people, saying, you are not to say it's conspiracy in regard to all the people called conspiracy. And you are not to fear what they fear or be in dread of it. It is the Lord of hosts whom you should regard as holy. And he will be your fear and he shall be your dread. Then he will be your sanctuary. And God is warning Isaiah as he writes this. He is warning them. Don't fear what men fear. Fear me. Reverence me. In verse 13 of Isaiah, we hear him say, the Lord says, it's me who you should regard as holy. It's me who you should fear. It's me who you should dread. And when we see that, man, I believe God has given us a good definition of what it means to sanctify, to set apart, um, to show reverence in your heart for the Lord. And in verse 14, God tells Isaiah, those that fear and dread him he will become their sanctuary, right? So, kind of gets a little confusing there, right? Fear and dread, then I become your sanctuary. And I think that that's one of the things that we kind of struggle with sometimes. So do we think God wants us walking around with this great fear of him? Man, isn't a sanctuary where you go to feel safe, secure, to have hope? And John Piper, I thought as I was studying this, did a really good job of explaining this better than I probably could have. And what he says is, what God was telling Isaiah and the people through Isaiah was let God become your dread and he will become your sanctuary. And by that he's saying, if you reference, if you reverence God, you will consider the prospect of displeasing him as a far more fearful prospect than displeasing man. Man, let the Lord be your fear. And he will be your sanctuary. But the truth is, a lot of times in our lives, we live lives where we are fearing man and not fearing God. And what I loved is Peter takes these verses and he adapts them. He's talking about what Isaiah is and he's saying, man, fear the Lord. And he adapts them to the people that he's reading who are being persecuted, who are suffering. And he tells them, don't fear what men fear, but sanctify the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord in your heart. That is what you do. That is how you defeat fear. We talked about it earlier. Sanctify the Lord as, 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 sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart, you conquer fear. You conquer fear. Otherwise, we cannot do it. So then we have to ask ourselves this question is, 
man, why is God displeased when we fear men? Why does that displease God when we fear men? Sometimes we think that may be the smart move to do, right? But as we start to fear men more, what do we start to do? Man, we start to forget the promises of God's word. Man, we forget the promises that his word is full of, of that he will take care of us. We start to think that we are in control of that, that if we fear this, that is better than that. And we lose sight of this, of, of the promises after promises that he has given us, that he is going to take care of us. Um, man, if we believe his promises, man, it takes away the fear of man. And that's hard. Believing God gives us hope and confidence when we believe his promises. But the truth is that if we fear man, man, we are saying we do not believe your promises, Lord. We do not believe the goodness of what your word tells us. And love, love these promises. I'm telling you, man, I've gone through a season of my life right now. But, man, I've been reading through the Psalms, and they have brought so much encouragement to me. They have brought so much life to me because I read all these promises after promises after promises of what God says. I've got some guys I love that, man, I love to share this word with. I try to send them a text all the time to show them what these promises are of how God loves us. Man, we see it in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, where he tells them, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Man, we need to remember those promises. That is our Lord that we serve. That is our God that has given us those promises. Man, in Psalm 34, he tells us, the righteous cry and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Man, we need to hear that. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. We need to hear the promises of what God's word says. Man, I understand when I read in the Psalms who he is writing to, but I know they apply to me. Those same promises apply to me as the same person that he wrote them to. And I want to take them to my heart. We need to be like Isaiah. And we need to place our trust in God and not fear man. And when we do that, we set Christ apart. This is that sanctification that we're talking about. We set him apart. We sanctify. We reverence him in our heart when we believe his promises. So that leads us to verse 15 that says, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Man, that's the main imperative. Man, that's a Pastor Chris word. Man, that's a word I would have never used. I'm going to tell you kids, man, in English class, pay attention. I was a guy that didn't pay attention. Man, I struggle with the imperatives and the indicatives. But this week the Lord was kind to me, and he showed me what the imperative was. What the main point of this is, is that we are to sanctify Christ as Lord in our hearts. So let me ask you this question. What does it mean to sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart? And according to these verses, what happens when we sanctify Christ as Lord in our hearts? Man, when we sanctify him, man, we regard him as the holiest of all beings. Remember the New International Version, what it says. It says we set him apart. Let me ask you this. When you have something that is super valuable to you, an object, let's just say, what do you do with it? Man, if you have something that is really important, what do you do? Man, if it's me, 
If it's some sporting memorabilia, you know what I love to do? I want to put it in a place where you are going to see it. I want to put it in a place where you are going to ask me about it. I want to draw your attention to it because it is so important to me. I want somehow for that conversation to get brought back around to it, right? That is what we do with things that are important. We have some things that are so important, man, we put them in safes. We put them in vaults. We put them in banks. We do these things because they're important to us. We want to protect them. We want people to know about them. We want to pass it on to the people that we love in our lives. That is what we do. So, again, do we see him as the holiest of all things? Do we see the infinite worth of Jesus? Do we see him as the most valuable thing that we have? In your life, does he have the highest place? Is he the most admired? Is he the most esteemed? Is he the greatest treasure you could ever have? Is that how you see Jesus? And I said before, this main point of the passage is sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart. So how does this main point affect the rest of what we're going to read? And I think there are four promises we see from God's word in this. Number one, that we are going to be fearless. That we will be fearless. It says when we sanctify Christ in our hearts, we can do what chapter, excuse me, what verse 14 tells us. To not fear man and what they fear. And remember, Peter is writing to exiles and aliens. Man, who are facing at least some form of persecution in their lives. And he's telling them to put their trust in Jesus. Persecution, put your trust in Jesus. So how does that work? How does that work? It works this way. When we place Jesus as our highest treasure, when we make him our greatest hope, what does that do to our fear? What does that do to the fear in our lives? Or do we say we follow Jesus? But our life points to something different. It points to that we're afraid of men. Man, we're afraid of their intimidation. We're afraid of their threats. We're afraid of their persecution. And what do you do? Man, what do you do when people are mean to you? What do you do when people are unfair to you? What do you do when people pick on you? Man, do you defend yourself? Man, do we do what we just talked about earlier, that, that we return evil for evil? Is that how we live? Or do we make decisions based on what man is going to say about us, what man may do to us? Is that is how we are living our lives? Or do we, remain, do we maintain reverence in our lives? Do we, remain, do we maintain gentleness? Do we maintain self-control in our lives? Do we go back to these attributes that Christ shows us? And if we do that, if we show the fruits of the Spirit in our life, man, to an outside world, something looks different. It stands out. Man, Jesus starts to get to be seen as something important, as a treasure in our lives. Man, people see that he is stable and trustworthy. That that is the reality he brings to our lives. When we sanctify Christ in our hearts, it brings hope. It brings encouragement. It breeds confidence and hope instead of fear. And Jesus has the power to turn fear of men into hope. And that's what we need to hear. And we need to hear that we don't need to fear men. We need to have hope in Christ. So the other thing that starts to come from this, that is in the beginning before we hear about sanctifying Christ as Lord in our hearts. What follows up is this in 15. Always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Yet with gentleness 
and reverence. Man, that hope that we're talking about, it not only frees us from fear, but it gives us a reason to speak about the hope that is in us. And we want people to know about the hope that is in us. When we sanctify Christ in our hearts, he makes us ready to make a case for the hope that is in our lives. So, what is your hope in? Man, is your hope in better happiness? Is your hope in the happiness that this world brings? Or is your hope in King Jesus? That is where our hope needs to be. Because I'm going to tell you this. People know what your hope is in. We may talk one way. We may try to put out an air that we're living a certain way. But I'm going to tell you, people really know where your hope is. Man, we see people that deal with tragedies and we think, how have they done it? Because of where their hope is. We see people that deal with tough times and we think, how are they doing the way they are doing? They're doing so well. We know where their hope is, right? We know. We know that it's not fake. But we see other people, man, that live a life and their mouth says one thing and their life does something else. And I'm telling you, it affects how people hear our message as believers. So, do you have a hard time bearing witness to the hope that's in you? Do you have a hard time bearing witness to this hope? Then the question is why? And I'm going to be honest with you. The truth is, man, there are times in our life that we don't feel very hopeful. <clears throat> I'm telling you, if our hearts are not full of hope in Jesus and his promises, what happens when we have this opportunity to witness? What happens when we have that opportunity for somebody to see our lives? Man, if we're not the world, the promises of Christ, I'm going to tell you what starts to happen. We start to make excuses when we have the opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus Christ. What we start to tell ourselves is this. Man, I don't know the scripture well enough. Man, I just don't know, man. I'm... I'm not as polished. I'm not Chris Winkleman, man. It's Chris Winkleman's job. That's what he's supposed to do. I'm not an expert in these things. I'm not qualified. Or we tell ourselves that idea of, man, they really know who I am. They really know me. Man, they know about the logs that's in my eyes. Man, what am I trying to do to get the speck out of theirs when I've got these logs in my eyes? The enemy starts to go at us. He starts to trick us. And what we do is we miss our opportunity. We miss our opportunity to tell people Man, we don't see the chance that we've been given to tell people about the hope, about the joy that we have, about the heartfelt reality of Jesus Christ in our lives. Man, we miss the opportunity to say, man, this is what Jesus has done for me. This is what he's done for me by his death and his resurrection. In our lives, in our faces, in our testimonies, man, they don't show our hope. They don't show our hope. But if we know Jesus Christ in that way, man, if we have sanctified him in our heart, trust me, there are people when they walk in, you can tell it about them. You can see the excitement in their eyes. You can hear it in their voices because they sanctified him as Lord in their hearts and they're able to tell them about the hope that they have. Um, another promise that comes from when we sanctify Christ in our hearts is that our hope will be well defended. We'll be able to defend our hope well as people ask us about it. So when somebody asks you about the hope that's in your, in your heart, when somebody asks you about the hope that you have and you answer them, 
Would Jesus be honored by your answer? Would Jesus be honored by what you tell them when they ask you about the hope? Man, I'm telling you, there's some of us. Maybe we've never had anybody ask about the hope that we have because it's not on us. It is not showing the way that it should because we let fear of men. We don't sanctify Christ in our heart. Whatever the case may be, we're not ready for that. So let me ask you this. Man, are you ready to tell a lost and dying world about your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Man, who's ready to come up here on the stage today and give your testimony? Man, let me start picking some people and ask them to come up here, man. I would like to see what that reaction would be. I would not do that to you guys because I know it would embarrass some people. But man, we should be jumping at that opportunity to tell people about what Jesus Christ has done for us. Man, the things that he has done in our lives. And we want to do that. When we love Jesus, man, we want to know him. We want to know him. I love that the other week when Pastor Chris was talking about wives, and he was talking to husbands, and I thought he gave a piece of gold advice, man. I thought it was golden. And one piece of advice he said is, husbands, keep learning about your wives. Don't stop learning with your wives. Because I'm going to tell you, we know guys that I'm telling you, that married somebody and got super satisfied and quit wanting to learn about their wives, and that marriage was not the greatest, was it? We want to keep learning about it. And that's how we want to be with Jesus Christ. Man, we want to have this desire to know more and more about him. What I don't want it to be is this. Man, I wake up in the morning and I find I spend five minutes in the word. I spend five minutes in prayer and I am done for the day. That is it. And for some people, that is a really good day for spending time with the Lord. And how are we going to sanctify him if that is not the case? How are we going to sanctify him? We want to know more about him. Man, we want to know how he lived. We want to know what he said. Man, we know how he died. Man, we want to read how the Old Testament over and over points to his coming. Man, we want to tell people how these prophecies came to life. How they walked this earth. How they died on a cross and were raised three days later according to scripture. And how the Holy Spirit is working in us now. That is what we want to be able to do. We want to know him so we can tell about what he has done in our lives. He also tells us, when we sanctify Christ as Lord in our hearts, we'll give answers with gentleness and reverence. And I think that is one of the points that we see here at the end that says, that's exactly what it says, the hope that is in you with gentleness and reverence. So what's your tone like when somebody asks you about your hope? What's your tone like when somebody asks you about Jesus Christ? Man, is it gentle? Man, is it reverent? Do we hold him as the most holy thing in our lives? Right? Is that our tone when we talk to people about who Jesus Christ is? Maybe. Man, when that person comes and talks to us, maybe we're excited about it. Sometimes it's not the case. What's your tone like when somebody opposes you when you talk about Jesus Christ? Man, do you pull the Dylan loose? Man, my family back there could attest to this, man. When you start to oppose me in something, man, Dylan Luce likes to get loud. Dylan Luce likes to think the loudest voice is the one that wins, right? Man, me and Lauren go around all the time about this, man. The famous line at my house is, you think you can be louder than me? Man, you are not going to win that battle. Maybe today you would because if I got very loud, I think I'd have a coffin fit. But, man, does our tone change when somebody's opposed to us? How about when somebody ridicules you for your beliefs? Man, are you still gentle? Are you still gentle? Because we need to be. Because how does God describe himself in his word? We use words like, 
gentle? Does he use words like compassionate? Does he use words like loving kindness? Man, that is the first thing. When we read about God in the Old Testament, we like to read about the wrath. We understand that. Man, look at his word. Learn his word because I'm going to tell you a lot of times when God describes himself, the first way he describes himself is in those terms. Those terms of loving kindness, of gentle, of compassionate. And that's how we need to be. And are we gentle and compassionate to those among us who are suffering now? As people suffer, man, are we gentle and compassionate? Because if we are gentle and compassionate, man, it points them to our Lord. And throughout this letter of Peter, look at how he addresses the persecuted and suffering believers within him. Look at the tone that he uses as he addresses with him. And what I love is this. In the letter, man, Peter doesn't pretend that suffering isn't real. And he doesn't pretend that suffering isn't, is, is fair. Man, this letter doesn't pretend that it doesn't have meaning in our suffering. It points to all those things. And what this letter tells us is if we follow Jesus, man, suffering and trials are going to come. They are going to happen. But God will be at work in them. And he's going to be refining us and strengthening us. And I'm going to tell you, and today, at First Baptist Church, and there are some people who are barely hanging in there. And I'm going to tell you, through our day-to-day, we've done what we always do. Man, we have walked through this place, and we have said, man, how are you doing today? And what's our answer? Man, I'm good. I'm okay. I'm doing fine. And I'm going to be honest with you. Man, the truth is, for some of us today, man, the answer should have been, I'm doing terrible today. I'm terrible today. And I'm struggling. Man, life is hard right now. And I'm going to be honest with you, maybe that's you. Maybe that's you sitting here today. Maybe you've told everybody, okay. And man, today is just a tough, tough day. And what I'm going to tell you is this. Man, I'm going to do a very unfirst Baptist thing, but I'm going to do it. Man, I'm not going to ask you today to raise your hand if you're suffering. I'm not, because I understand that may be personal to you. It may be hard, but I'm telling you, man, there are some people here today that are in that. Man, I pray that our eyes are open to them. I pray that our eyes are open to who is suffering amongst us. Man, who is struggling in their walk? But what I do know is this. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And I know some of you are not going to do that, man, and I am 100% okay with that. If nobody does it, I'm going to be a little disappointed, but I'm going to be 100% okay. And let me finish this out before you raise your hand. But here's the question. Man, how many of you have ever gone through a season in your life where you felt like, man, Satan, Satan was kicking you in the gut every day. Man, that he had you on the ground kicking your teeth in. That life was hard. That life was tough. That there were days you thought, man, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get up today. That I'm not going to be able to do that. The real question in that is this. Man, how many of you made it through that season? Not on your strength 
but through the strength of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That he was good to you. It may have been a lot longer of a season than you ever expected it to be. It may be a lot longer of a season than you ever hoped it would be. But he saw you through that. He kept his promises. He told you who he was. Man, he told you about his strong right hand. Man, he told you about the goodness that is in him. And he made it through that. Man, if you've ever been that person and you're brave enough today or you feel led enough to do it today, man, raise your hand real quick. Man, that's me. I've been that person. Man, what I want us to do, keep your hands up, please, just if you wouldn't care just for a second. Man, look around. Look around. That happens. That happens. And I'm telling you, if you're a person that's struggling today, if you're a person that life has been hard for, man, if you're a person today that's saying life is terrible, mm, Man, maybe somebody just raise their hand as that person that you can talk to. Maybe that person would be the person that can say, man, you are going to make it through it. You are going to do fine. You are going to be okay. Let me tell you about the promises of our Lord and Savior. Let me tell you about the goodness of our God and what he can do. And they can tell you I've made it through it. Man, I'm telling you. We want to do that. And I'm going to be honest with you. Man, I'm praying for you guys today. Man, if this day is hard, man, I'm praying for you. And I'm praying that you see God is good, that his word is life, that you can be renewed and transformed by the, the truth in his word. And I just pray that we do that. And the last promise we get out of these verses is this. Man, we sanctify Christ as Lord when we are zealous for good deeds. We read that all through these verses, and Pastor Chris is going to pick up on these when we lift off. But in verse 13, we read, Man, who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? Verse 14 tells us, But even if you, you, even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. And then we get to 16 and said, And keep good confidence, so that in the thing <clears throat> which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. And verse 17 tells us, for it is better if God should will it so that you suffer in doing what is right rather than what in do, that, rather than doing that rather, excuse me, rather for doing what is wrong. So we see these verses over and over that point back to this idea of we need to be zealous for his good deeds. That even when we're being persecuted, even when we're suffering, we need to be zealous for doing good deeds. And we don't do these good deeds because we think that we're going to earn God's favor. We don't do it for that. And we do that to bring glory to his name. Man, we do it because it's the fruit of our lives. That as new creations in Jesus Christ, that is what we do. That is the fruit that we produce. And I'm going to tell you, the world's not going to understand it. The world is going to look at you and see you as odd. They're going to see it as strange. But it gives us an opportunity. And it gives us an opportunity to tell them about our Lord and Savior and how he suffered for us by going to the cross and dying for our sins so that we could be made righteous by his blood. And in that, that we are made righteous by his blood. So this week, church, and I'm going to follow up in the same pattern that Pastor Chris has been going on. 
Man, as we talk about this godly living in our lives, we're going to call it back to these three things, these three applications. And I'm sure he'll probably keep going within it while we're there because, man, they are valuable to us. And application number one is going to be this. Beloved, this place is not our home. This is not our home. And I'm going to tell you, even when we're trying to do good deeds, man, there's going to be times we're going to suffer. But remember what he says there in verse 14. But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. That is what happens. This place is not our home. We may not get the blessings that we hope for in this world, but we are going to get the blessings that we get one day when we're in front of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is what is going to happen. So how do we live faithfully in a world that's going to get, that is going in a completely different direction from us? In a world that thinks we are strange for what we do. In a world that is not going to understand how you are kind, how you are compassionate, how you trust the things that you trust. In a world that is always trying to pull us in to following it, what do we do? Man, we get our focus right. We get our focus right. We keep our eyes on Jesus and we sanctify him as Lord in our heart. Number two, beloved, and there's a war within us. Last week, Pastor Chris told us, man, we're not going to live like this world. And sometimes that causes war and it causes turmoil within our own hearts because we want to live like the world. But Jesus told us, as we talked about earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Don't be afraid of the sorts of things men are afraid of, like intimidation, threats, persecution. Instead, set apart Christ in your heart. This looks different from the world. And man, what it does when we sanctify Christ as Lord in our heart, it encourages us. It makes us hopeful. It makes us confident. And it takes away our fear. And we are called to hope in Jesus. And the last application is going to be this. Beloved, there is a world to win. Man, if we're going to give a reason for the hope that's in us, the number one thing we need to do, we need to get hopeful. We need to get hopeful. In persecution, in tough times, we have to figure out what is that that is going to make us hopeful. We have to be able to see the things that are good. Sometimes our focus is only on the bad, isn't it? Sometimes that's where our lean goes to. And that's why we need God and we need his word. We need to know what his promises are. And the truth is this. Man, we can only truly be hopeful if we know Jesus Christ is our Lord. That is the only way we can be hopeful. Man, if we know Jesus, we know his promises. And we use them to banish fear and to kindle our own hope. And when we do that, man, when we banish fear, when we kindle our hope, man, when we're ready to give a defense of the hope that is in us, man, how hard is it going to be to tell others about that? Man, when we get transformed and renewed by his word, it changes us, and we want others to know about the good news of Jesus Christ. And the bad news is for some of us today, man, there's some people here that don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Man, I have been praying and praying for weeks and weeks that the Lord, man, the Holy Spirit works a mighty movement in this place, that if there's anybody here that doesn't know him, that he opens ears, man, that he opens eyes, that he opens hearts because we need this hope. Man, it is the only true hope we have. 
is Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So now if you'd stand with me, we will pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, man, we come to you today, man, hoping that we are transformed, Lord. Hopefully that we are sanctifying you as Lord in our heart, Lord. Lord, that we see you as most holy, as the most valuable thing in our lives, Lord, as what life truly is. Lord, we just pray, man, for your word to transform and renew us. Lord, we just pray, man, for the mighty work that only you can do in lives. Lord, you are good. Man, your word is full of these promises. Man, let us just grasp them and let us just hold on to them. Let's give all praise in Jesus' name. Now, man, I don't know.